intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices welcome to another exciting episode of the atomic podcast coming to you live from the upper west side new york city where we blow up the news on a variable scale my name is Ephraim guzman my guest with me today he's an actor he's a writer he's a producer he's a director he's a jack of all trades mostly recognize him more on doogie hauser md ladies and gentlemen i give you mr marcus redman marcus how are you <laughs> Thank you. I know you like my little sticky intro. How, how was that? Was, was, was I good? I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I deserve all that. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was wonderful. You know, I, you how know, are you, man? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And yourself? Mm-hmm. Man, yo, just, you... Just outside, having a cigar, talking to you, having a little whiskey. Why not? Oh, wow. That's what you're doing right now, man? I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm on a, I'm a, I'm on a, uh, um, um, 17th floor high rise, and I see bars on my window while you're having a cigar and whiskey. Whew. I am really jealous. <laughs> you know, plus you, plus you know, you, I, I know, plus you're three hours behind, so your 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 night is just getting started. I should say. Yes, there's a whole, whole situation. It's a whole different situation. I have a friend, a very, a very dear friend, uh, coworker. Uh, named Alicia Minshew. She lives in New York. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. She used to be on All My Children, right? Yeah. 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 What was the last time you came to New York? The last time I was in New York, it was, uh, I was in New York, oh, I was in New York 10 years ago, that's crazy. 10 years ago? That's wow. Crazy. And 10, oh, oh my God, like 10 years ago, almost to the day. Wow, ten years is a decade, dude. You when are you planning on coming nah, back? <laughs> I know. That's insane, right? Yeah, that's, that's insane. Holy crap. Oh man. So don't don't you miss yeah. yeah, don't you miss the MTA bus or like the subways? <laughs> you, you know, instead of driving? <laughs> For real, man. Nah, like, <laughs> I don't I don't miss none of that. No, I I I, I went to New York uh, very specifically uh, to meet with a young actress by the name of Whoopi Goldberg ah. to get her to uh, sign on to a film that uh, that we did. It's my first, the first film I got in uh, Sundance, Sundance Film Festival. I was a genius, right? I was, yeah, if I, if I had known I if, was a genius. If I had known I was a genius, yeah. Went to New York to meet with her, sat with her, uh, and yeah, that was ten years ago. That was 2005. We shot in 2006, and we premiered 2007. Oh, speaking of that, um, how did you? How did that come about? That um, was it, you know, you wrote that. Is it something that you dealt with? Is it like your story, or is it somebody that you know? Uh, the story was actually. The story actually was uh, 
autobiographical comedy of errors about my life. Mm. Um, I had a fight with my mom on the phone because um, as a kid they used to test me for, you know, like the IQ test. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my mother never told me the score because she told me she didn't want me to get a big head. Yeah. This was something that sort of loomed over me um, my whole life because I wasn't quote, living up to my potential, end quote. Mm-hmm. So I finally got in a fight with my mom. I was like, you know, just tell me what it is. I'm like, you're a grown man. What am I going to do? Go to school and talk down to the stupid kids? Just tell me what the number was. And she told me it was 165. Mm-hmm. Which is like high genius. Wow. Uh, so I don't know what happened because I'm nowhere near that smart. Uh, but... <laughs> uh, I got in this argument with her about it, and I was telling Melanie um, Gorshafter, who is the, the director and producer of the film, and she's just laughing, and I'm livid, and I'm just going off. She's like, that's what you should write about. You should write about that. You should just explore your silly life. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, that's what we did, and we just started working on it, I started writing it, um, we, we ended up with a great cast, we were, uh, we were represented by William Morris, this is all, remember, these are all back in the days before the big market crash, Yeah. so, you know, the whole industry, the whole world was a different place back then, yeah. uh, and we got to Sundance, and right after that, everything fell apart. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, what, uh, when was the big, the big crash, right? That yeah, 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 yeah. The banks failed, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, everything kind of fell apart, and, um, I sort of started, I started back at zero, uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, how I wanted to go about my career. Uh, I got married to a wonderful woman. I moved out of Los Angeles and I just started focusing on writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I stockpiled material. Just stockpiled. Uh, just really just honing my crap, you know. Mm-hmm. Television pilots I was writing, uh, film scripts I was writing, you know, trying to get attachment to things, and, you know, just that whole game. It was a different ball game. Like the, the, the industry didn't work the same way. Um, and in the interim, they started creating cameras that cost two thousand dollars, but shot film quality. You know, and in the interim, YouTube became a real thing, and video became a real thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Soon people were able to put videos up of themselves, like banging them on the head, and like smiling goofy and tripping over things, and they were turning into lovers, like the whole world would just change. Yeah. Um, and so I got to the point where I had finally gotten the stuff that I really believed in, you know, these, these, these pieces. Uh, and the pieces that I felt were my strong suit as an actor, uh, because, you know, as an actor, I just became uh, disillusioned because you know, <laughs> I, was, I, I grew up on Woody Allen movies, 
Yeah. I mean, I might as well be like a 90-year-old Jewish guy <laughs> because of the stuff I grew up on, you know, and I, I grew up listening to, like, the band music from the 30s and the 40s and, you know, watching those old movies with William Powell and Clark Gable and Gary Grant, you know what I mean? Like, that was, that still where I draw inspiration from. I love that stuff, you know, but I'm a five nine. <laughs> broad shoulder, dark skin, black dude, the dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it doesn't match up for people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. So I just decided that let me create this stuff and, 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 and start and sort of just do what I love and, and, and hopefully the audience will follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I finally had some stuff I really believed in, I decided, you know, the best way to make sure it happens the way I want it to happen is to direct so I just, I jumped in the fray. I saw, I saw a Woody Allen documentary. Woody Allen created something, a hero of mine. I mean, the guy has been making a film a year for longer than I have been alive. Yeah. And there's nobody that's doing that. Like, no one. Like, the guy literally makes a movie a year. It's going to be interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, he said, talking about the record, not rocket science. <laughs> like if, if you're the writer of the story, you know what you want the audience to see. And I don't know why that just clicked with me and I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to fling it, whatever. Let's see what happens. And so, yeah, I've, you know, I've just decided to be silly and do it. And I found Yeah, and you have, uh, it was like a whole list. You had from Sharon Stone, Deborah Wilson, Keith David. Like, how did you get all these, like, big-name people? That was all William Morris. Oh, wow. All, William Morris represented the project. Um, so again, you know, yeah. back then, it, it, it was a much easier equation. Then, well, you know, the, 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 the industry is changing. It's not... It's not the same industry it was. Mm-hmm. You got to remember, you know, if you're looking, you're talking about 2005. Yeah. All right. So you got there's no there's no Twitter, there's no Facebook. YouTube's not really a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Know, there you go. There's no Vine. There's no iPhones. You know. What I, mean? <laughs> I don't just. No, there's no tablet. <laughs> I don't think about that far away. Like, you know, you think, thinking about it now, you think that's always been there with us, but you're right, 2005, we didn't even have anything of that, of that nature yet. But yeah, it was just still sort of like the last bastion of what, what was, you know, the technology just exploded in that time frame. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. it just, it exploded all of a sudden. They had iPod. Then they turned into iPhone. And you had like, you know, you had a phone that was also a stereo. Yeah. That was also a calculator. That was like, <laughs> it was also like, it was like a computer in your pocket. It was like, what? Yeah. Just, everything just changed so incredibly fast. Was you constantly more writing after that? Like, was you just, just you know, shelling out scripts and just writing? Or Yeah, man. I You know, we did the film. I was proud of it. 
for what it was. It was a very experimental cocktail. It was just the kind of film that people either love or hate. There's no middle ground. People either think it's the dumbest, stupidest, whiniest, most pretentious piece of crap ever, or they think it's wonderful and glorious and they relate to it and they connect to it you know, there's just no telling which which way you're going to fall on the fence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I decided I wanted to write some stuff that might be more relatable, yeah. um, stuff that might be a little bit more 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 broad appealing. But the film itself, you know, never had an official release because uh, distribution companies they really couldn't figure out how to get behind me. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not, and it's not even, it's not even like, you know, I, I think, I think hip hop has done a lot in making, you know, different cultures, uh, relatable, accessible, mm-hmm. uh, and, and marketable. Yeah. Uh, and if I like hip hop at all, I'm sure it would be a It's like it's like vegetables. Some kids love it. Some kids hate it. You know, and you know your movie. You know, there's you know it's you know it's always like the the pat like you know this one I guess was you know your passion project and it's something that if you're satisfied with it and that's all that pretty much matters. You know, there's people that's gonna like it. There's people that's gonna hate it. But you know, it didn't make millions of dollars. But you know, it was pretty successful for you, wasn't it? I mean, I don't, 
you know, I don't know a critic. Somebody writes something in the Times, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, I don't know this person. And this person's telling me, okay, you don't want to see this film because I don't like the film. But I don't know you. So maybe I would like, you know, I have very good friends that I know and I value their opinion and, and, and treasure their respect. And I will ask them about certain shows or films and if they tell me they don't like it, I know I will. Mm-hmm. Oh, and wow. That's, that's, that's somebody I know. Like, I know this person. Like, I know this person's work. I know their work ethic. I know their taste. And I respect it. Mm-hmm. But I still know that if the dude says, I hate Wayward Pine, I'm going to tune in because I'm going to love it. Yeah. Because I know him. But pretty, I, well, I don't, it's just, I don't know. I don't, I could be wrong, whatever, I just feel like it's so easy, it's so hard to make even a bad movie, that I just feel like it's, it's, it's an unfortunate circumstance that people can sit there, do nothing, and then tell you everything that you should have done, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, like yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, they like they know how to change the world. Like you know, if if he, if he would have done it this way, the movie could have been successful. Like this, you know, or this or this, you know. It's like the guy, it's like the guy sitting on the couch watching a football game. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about why the hell would he do that? What a crap player! Like, dude, get your fat ass up and get on the field. Let's see what happens. Yeah, he's a he's a professional football player. It's a skill you don't have. Yeah. Which is why you can sit here and eat Cheetos and drink beer and cast judgment on the dude yeah. who's actually out there doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but whatever. I guess I guess they serve a purpose. I don't know. Yeah, I'll say, but like, look at look at the the you know you could even speak about Sharknado, you know it's so bad you know people say oh it's so bad whatever it's hard but there's people there there's a there's an audience that's watching it that's why there's three sequels and I think a fourth one on the way you know it's not a a, a Woody Allen thespian masterpiece but you know there <laughs> <laughs> there's an audience out there for that you know there's people that like that yeah. So, you know, a lot of times it's like for shock value too. Like, you know, Joe Blow hates it. If he hates it, then I'm gonna hate it too. Because you know, you know, that's the thing. We, you know, we value like you know, Siskel and Ebert were like the first like movie critics. And if Ebert didn't like it and Siskel liked it, it's like, oh, I have to judge for myself. I have to watch this movie. It was a good shtick that they had because either you, you know, it's it's rare when both of them love the movie. It was you know that was the whole point counterpoint. Their whole purpose of the show is one person likes it, one person hates it, and then you go to the theater yourself and you pretty much judge it yourself if you like it or not you know but you know there's a lot of critics nowadays and stuff you know but you know it's 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 all subjective you know everybody has an opinion on something you know and you know like you know there's there's an old saying opinions are like assholes everyone has one you know everyone is going to have their own judgment and stuff you know so it's always going to be like that that's 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 not going to change that is true everyone does have an asshole yep some are big some are small (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, so, 
yeah, um, I'm getting back to the topic at hand. Yeah, so um, you know, I'm saying it must, it must like I don't know, it must deter you when you know you're hearing stuff like that or people not liking your movie because you know, like you said, it was it was your passion project. So it's like, wait a minute, you don't fucking like my movie? Like what? You know how long it took me no. to do this? I lived it. No, no, no not no, like that. No. Not like that. Oh. No, it's, no. It's, listen, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, like, yeah. School, the acting, like the whole drama and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely, definitely one of the, one of the drama, yeah. one of the drama people. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, then, um, how did you get um with um Doogie Howser, your big break? How did you get, you know, cast, and how was the process of getting into Doogie Howser, MD? I uh, there's uh. Uh, acting coach who's passed away. His name is Cliff Austin. My drama school, my high school drama teacher, uh, she's like, hey, listen, I think you should study professionally. I think you should go to a real acting coach uh, and start thinking about this as a career. So she convinced my folks and she took me down there and I took this class that Cliff Austin taught. Uh, oh, I guess this will be interesting for people. <laughs> um, I started taking a class. I was like the only teenager in the class, with the exception of one other guy. Uh, 
started going out on auditions, and I auditioned for Doogie Howser in the first season mm-hmm. uh, to play like a friend to Doogie to a party while his parents were at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I spent most of my, I spent my junior high years, my high school years, you know, in Southern California, I had a ton of friends that were surfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did, I did the, I did the reading as like a surfer kid, uh, which was a little, a little bit disconcerting, I think, just marrying on like five, nine, broad children, black guy. <laughs> 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 like a surfer dude. Um, <laughs> but it was intriguing to the casting directors. They did not cast me. Uh, but when the episode uh, came about where Doogie was held hostage by a gang member, they brought me in again. Of course. Uh, it was like, let's get Marcus right for that, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I had, I had made fans. Yeah. Had, um, so I came in and, and I did it. Uh and then I met Stephen Bacho, uh, and Stephen took a liking to me and decided that he wanted to bring me back to the show. And that's how that happened. Wow. Did, did you find it, like, believable, like, how you would, you know, be friends with, with um, Doogie after, like, the whole situation, or you, would just, you just went with the flow, like, all right, you know? Well... You know, it wasn't, it's not, it wasn't for me to say. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was one of them very special episodes that used to do yeah. back in the day. You know what I mean? Yeah, like those ABC special movies type, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those movies. It was like a very special episode. Uh, and why not? Why, 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 I mean, you know, why, why shouldn't the old baby have a black friend? Mm-hmm. He's gay after all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. No, like, uh, remember, remember that. Spe- remember the special episode where George Jefferson got stabbed. That was another special episode too. Yeah, like that was a special episode. The, the, the different strokes where uh, the bicycle man. Arnold, or, yeah, the bicycle man. <laughs> the man the <laughs> you know, yeah. everything is so PC today. They won't even do episodes like that anymore. But yeah. God no, it's so weird, man. It's so much stuff you couldn't. Like marrying with children. You could never have married with children on your head. Yep. Ever. Oh my God. You never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever have that job here. It's so sad. Is everybody so upset? Yeah. Standard and practices is definitely a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's very sad. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, Stephen, Stephen. Listen, I think it's a guy who produced and wrote Hill Street Blues and L.A. Law. He knows what he's doing. That's cold. Why am I going to go fight him? No. Why would I come back to the show? No. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to take the job. We had a great time. It was a really, we had a lot of fun doing that show. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And you got along with all the cast, right? It was like a, like a close-knit family? Yeah. We had a really good time. It was just like a, Yeah, 
Wow. Well, that's phenomenal. So he was really, he was really, you know, the way he is now, I guess, like from back then, he hasn't really changed. Like, are you still in contact with him, or? I haven't seen Neil in ages. I mean, you know, you think what they do and all that. And Neil, you know, I mean, Neil is a completely different stratosphere than I You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, I think the only real difference that I see with Neil is that he's happy. You know. Happy, he found the courage to be who he truly is. Uh, he found he found someone that truly loves him. He has family doing he's doing what he does best. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And also, you did you did work after that. You did like a lot of you know bit parts and stuff. Um, was it hard to find like a, a like a, like um another series because you was. You know, you was you kept doing like different shows after shows. Like, was it like was it hard to get like another mainstay show like that? Um, well, not. I mean, it's not. I don't know how much you know about the process of television, uh, but how it worked. I mean, I don't even know because I don't. I don't really. I don't do the the whole sort of actor thing mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. But the way it used to work was. Um, they have this thing called pilot season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pilot season goes from like January to April, maybe a little bit in May. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they basically just film the first episode of a show. Yeah. So they film a bunch of them. And the network says, like the network will say, okay, we've got 20 show ideas that we dig. Let's shoot 20 of them. And then they shoot them. And then from May to like July, they start looking at them. And they start looking at the schedule. And they start looking at what they're going to keep, what they're going to get rid of, and where they need to go in state. And then they look at the shows. And they go, okay, we're going to pick up like five of these 20. And those are the shows that we don't get. So, you know, I guess what people don't know. <laughs> that uh, I was a series regular on a ton of pilots. <laughs> they just never got on the air. <laughs> so, you know, I, I technically did get chose. They just, no one saw them. Uh, I think I did like, I think I did like six or seven pilots back to back. You know, so wow. you, you, you go and you get cast. And you're a series regular and you go through the regular role and you do all the stuff and you do the pictures and you do the thing and all that cast stuff. And then, you know, you sit and you wait. And then the network flies to New York for the upfront announcements and we tell everybody, okay, this is our new slate, this is our new fall season. And, you know, you get a phone call before the upfront. And, you know, a phone call is from your producer. Your producers say, we're going to New York. Yeah. And then, you know, they got picked up. Or they say, better not next year. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's just the luck of the draw, man. It's just, that's just how it, that's just, that was, back in the day, that was the option for television. You know, there, 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 there was no, no such thing as web series. There was no such thing as, you know, no budget films. There was no such thing as, like, hey, go get a can of D100 and, you know, 10 grand and make something yourself and then distribute it yourself. That didn't, that didn't exist back in the day. Uh, so while P 
sure were like, wow, oh, man, I, you know, watched Jiggy Hauser, wonder what a black guy is. Um, <laughs> you know, I was there. Yeah. The shows didn't go. So, and, you know, all good. What are you currently doing now? Do you have any projects that you're working on now? Like a freaking catalog of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, a feature that is in post-production now. We're, we're cutting it. Okay. Uh, called This Is Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something that will follow up to the Sundance film that I did if I thought I was a genius. Oh, okay. Uh, is it a continuation? Kind of. Um, you know, if I thought I was a genius, it's a film that I wrote and started in. And uh, the, the, the basic premise was, uh, you know, there was this kid who grew up, became an actor, and it's like this comedy of errors about his life. Uh, you know, I'm never really sort of like getting the big that, you know, I'm on a yacht, like, uh, and still sort of trying to figure out who he was in the process. Uh, so that film sort of ends with a glimmer of hope. Uh, and this is now sort of begins with that same guy years later, and the glimmer of hope has faded terribly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he gets uh, he gets visited by uh, his best friend from high school, uh, who invites him to come back to their hometown and direct a community theater play with a bunch of people that they went to high school with. Uh, and so that film has an amazing cast. I have uh, Amir Talai, who was in uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting, Harold and Kumar. Yeah. Nadia Bjorlin, who was on Days of Our Lives, Alicia Menchu, who's on All My Children, uh, Louis Mankata, who I'm sure everybody remembers as like half of the Salamanca cousins from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Most of really, really great, strong cast of people came up and, you know, did this little movie with me. So we're in the middle of cutting that and then I'm about to start a uh, psychological thriller called The Sixth Degree. Ooh. Uh, so we're looking, we're looking to put that into production very soon. Um, and uh, I'm also working on a few other a few other things that I'm sort of pulling together. I want to maybe take advantage of this uh, Amazon Prime Hulu Netflix type situation. So I'm few irons there in the fire as well as a few other films that scripts that are just sort of sitting there that I'm meeting with people trying to sort of pull together and build build my sort of filmmaker brand, if you will. Gotcha, gotcha. Um it's it you know, it's a tedious just like having a lot of written material that you have it there. Is it like um, are you like constantly writing or like whatever you have written down is just, you know, you shoot one. All right. Then when you, you know, you have, when, when this film is already done, then you'll shoot, you'll start, you know, setting up for the next one or how does that process come about? Yeah. And I am constantly writing. Yeah. I have, I have, I have a ton of material. I'm constantly writing. I'm always looking to meet talent. I'm always trying to put together, uh, teams for the different projects that I have. And then, you know, you have something you really love, but, you know, the money is... The money is basically attracting something else that you have. So, you know, you go... You go 
strategy involved is definitely you got to have a strong team behind you, uh, both in front of and behind the camera, uh, you know, to make, to make those things happen. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a, yeah, there's no, there's no lack of material. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of stuff on the docket, plenty of stuff. No. Have you tried, since you're a big Woody Allen fan, did you try to approach him with your script or something to get Woody Allen in your film or oh, something? Oh, God. <laughs> no. No? Um, Why not? Well, because as a Woody Allen fan, I know that he's not interested. Yeah. <laughs> Woody, Woody does what Woody does. Woody's yeah. He's not interested in, you know, doing something else that somebody else did. You know, Woody, Woody writes and directs, but he's going to do that because he's um, you no, know, yeah, I have, I have, I have fashioned myself after his epic. You know, when he got a, a draw, a drawer. I hope I said that word right. Uh, <laughs> of, of, of scraps of paper, just filled with different ideas. Yeah. Um, and he'll open it up, and he'll pick something out, and he'll start working out the story. And if it looks like a little work, he'll write it, and then he shoots it, and then he goes back in the drawer and he pulls something else out and starts writing next one and just keeps it, just keeps it moving. Uh, so I've adapted that. I just, I just got stuff. <laughs> I got stuff. I got, you know, dramas, comedies, thrillers, you know, I just have stuff and, and hopefully uh, what I've developed is a, a, a voice and a point of view that is, that is, you know, Specific and unique, and eventually recognizable. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk about filmmakers nowadays. You know, if you're sitting in a theater and you see like two minutes of a Martin Scorsese movie, you know that's a Martin Scorsese movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're not confused. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Quentin Tarantino. Same thing with Woody. Same thing with you know Steven Spielberg to a certain extent. Yeah. Like you see, there's there's things that these filmmakers need. That's what they do, mm-hmm. and you see it, and you know that's you know what you're in for. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's what I'd like to create. I'd like to be the kind of filmmaker who you know, as soon as you hear something, as soon as you hear the dialogue, or you hear the music, or you see the frame, it's like ah, okay, I know what's happening. You know, I think I think we're I think we're losing that a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's such a, a glut of content. There's such a rush. There's so many options. I think I think we're losing I think we're losing that that sort of personal touch where, you know, a filmmaker you follow that filmmaker because you know what you you know what you're in for. That filmmaker's going to make you feel something or make you think about something. Or take you somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you're going for, like, a roller coaster trip. And, you know, like, you know, even, like, like Steven Soderbergh or, you know, like you said, Martin Scorsese or Tarantino, you know, they all have their their niche, what, you know, what they're good at. Like, you know, Tarantino, him in dialogue and movies is just phenomenal. Like, right. all, all, the, all the stuff that, he you know, he comes up with. And, you know, he's just an amazing director. But, you know, you know everybody has their niche, you know? And I think that's important, especially now. I think it's probably even more important than it used to be. Because yeah. there are so many, there's so many options, you know. Filmmakers nowadays, you know, we have to build our own audiences. We have to build our own 
brand uh, everything. So it's I think it's even more important to really know who you are. That's why the writing to me the writing is so important because my goal is to create characters and stories that, you know my goal what I want ultimately I want people to see the film and I want them to go out and have wine or coffee or whatever they do <laughs> and argue about it. Yeah. I do. I want people to sit there and be like, well, I think this is what it was going on. What are you nuts about this? What are you stupid about this? That's what I want. Mm-hmm. That is what I want. That, mm-hmm. that, type, that type of film that causes you to get in horrible, horrible fights with the people. Yeah. It reminds me of like um I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Village, the M Night Shyamalan movie, but you know there was a lot of debate about that too. You know, like is he trying to yeah. suppress violence? You know, violence happens no matter where you at. You know, and you know you could be in the, in the you know he was trying to shelter everybody, but you know what I what I got from the movie is violence happens anywhere, no matter where you at, no matter how you take away you know weapons or you know you try to make everything like Little House on the Prairie type. Violence is always going to be around you you know like you know there's there's different messages you get from like different movies but that's what i got I don't, did you see the village i did i did what i did? personally i a lot of people got very upset about the twist yeah they did, I the they twist. did. Yeah. oh you saw the twist i enjoyed too? it yeah i did i enjoyed the twist i thought it was i thought it was very uh, i thought it was very clever a lot of people didn't but i think that you know there's a quote and i i wish i knew who said it um but, you know, there's a quote that goes, the film, the film, the film is not there to answer questions. questions. Mm-hmm. It's there to raise questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think society, we are the ones, we need to come up with the answers that work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, 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 I think that kind of thing is great. I think it's great. Yeah. You know, everybody can have opinions about things. You know, I mean, there's certainly films that I've seen that I haven't enjoyed. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't disparage the filmmaker for having made the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of work. Making a movie is a lot of work. Doesn't seem like it's a lot of work, <laughs> but it's a lot of work. Yeah, I know. It's, I know it's easy for the audience just just to watch it because it's there and it's catered for us. But you know, there's a lot of stuff that definitely goes behind the scenes. Whether whether it's five hundred dollars or five hundred million, 
Do you do um do you like um the state of films now in, in um 2015 like like you know there's there's a there's a, a a plethora of films from comic films you know I think there's a lot more comic films this this in this period than we ever had you know are you a fan of like the comic genre films or yeah, like yeah, like Marvel. Yeah, exactly. Like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, DC. Are you a fan of those type of films? You know, me personally, not really. I don't. I don't really get into it. I know people sit there and analyze. You know, this is what Batman did in the comic. You gotta follow that in the movie. Not that. It's wrong. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, man. Yeah. I don't. Air? I mean, Superman was created in 1938. We're still making Superman movies? Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's come up with a better superhero. <laughs> you know, listen, Superman's great, but he's an alien who, who can fly here because he can breathe our atmosphere, but, you know, the physiology is different or whatever, so he can fly. And he can pick up stuff. And he's stronger than we are because the atmosphere is different. That's great. That's very cool. That, that's very cool. But we have phones now that you can wear on your wrist. Nobody's come up with a better superhero. <laughs> <laughs> we're still on the same cat that were like created in the 30s and the 40s. Yeah. Like there's no more superhero. Like really? Like that's Are you a fan of, like, Captain America or, like, Spider-Man or anything like that, no? Same story. Mm-hmm. That's my own question. It's just it's, it's 
the same story. Not, I, 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 allegedly, who knows, because I don't, I don't go see it. Yeah, you know, there, there. Yeah, I guess you have. There's, there's a lot of different superhero movies now. You know, there's a lot of different origin stories, and you know, now they're blending in minorities into it as well. You know, minority superheroes and stuff. So, you know, it gives the you know, you know, minority saying, "Oh, I can be a superhero too." You know, which is which is a cool thing. You know, and um, you're right, Superman. I think that's right. What's the kid? The, the kid from uh, what was the Station? And he's uh he's one of the Fantastic Four now, yeah. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, um, like the kid Star Wars. Yeah, um, 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 Michael, um, um, Michael B. Jordan, you're talking about from Fantastic Four, and yeah. the, and the kid from Star Wars, John Boyega. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't be mad at that. Yeah. I just think, wouldn't it be cool if he could play a brand new superhero? Yeah. Well, you know, there's like another dude. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I get there are people that love these films. They love these characters. They love these superheroes. They grew up on them. Um, then the studios want to make them because it's a built-in audience. Mm-hmm. Only get that. But I don't, I don't think the audience is so lazy that you have to make something that they already know. Yeah. I think, I think the audience is smart enough to say, okay, let me see what this new thing is. I know you like the sci-fi, or you're a fan of Doctor Who, right? Yeah, I love Doctor Who. Alright, what is it, you know, because you... Same problem. Yeah. You know, been around since 1963, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, something is working there, though. It's been around that long. I think it's, I honestly think it's probably been been around longer than MASH, isn't it? Like, I'm not sure. You know, I know know, they said MASH was the longest-running television show, but I think it's Doctor Who. I think it's Doctor Who, you know? Yeah, well, Doctor Who also has been off the air for yeah. seconds of time. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, there's that. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. But I'm a, I'm a, okay, so for me, I like, I'm a, I'm a sci-fi guy. I like the, I like science fiction stuff. Yeah. You know, I can't write it to save my life, but I do enjoy uh, that type of stuff. So yeah, Doctor Who, uh, Lost Girl, uh, yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, like, the science fiction now that they have, like, I think you would like the Fantastic Four because the movie they're doing now with Michael B. Jordan, I think it's more science, you know, it's like, they're superheroes, don't get me wrong, but I think it's like that has that Nolan feel to it where it's going to be like a whole science twist to it, so I think you might enjoy that one. I think you might enjoy that one. I might go check that out. I might, I might, I might, I might see what happens. Yeah, definitely take my advice on that, and then let me know if you hate it, then you can blame me. (laughs) (laughs) No, man, listen, I mean, listen, it's not easy to make those movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not easy. It's hard. All that stuff is difficult to to do. But 
but yeah, for me personally, if I'm if I'm making the decision to see something, uh, I'm I'm usually gonna choose. I'm gonna choose against something like Fantastic Four or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a couple of last questions for you, Marcus. Um, are you planning to coming to New York anytime soon? Uh, I would love to. Ideally, I'd love to shoot. I would love to shoot a film. In New York, yeah. Uh, oh, God. Nothing, nothing, nothing would please me more to be able to shoot a film in New York City. Um, I, I mentioned before, uh, Alicia Menchu, who's in Manhattan, uh, and has done a uh, film with me and we're working on some other stuff. Um, but yeah, I would, I would absolutely love to be able to, you know, as many as old town, yeah. be able to do a film. I'd love to be able to shoot something in New York. Yeah. It's, a, it's a magical city to me. Yeah. Magical city. It is, I'm sure, and definitely, and trust me, if you haven't been here in 10 you know, in a decade, it has changed a lot, so, you know, some for the better, some for the worse. So, right. You definitely want to right. come down here and take a look. You know, where 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 would you want to shoot at? Around Lincoln Square or um, Times Square? Um, you know, I, 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 you know, there's a there's a project that uh, is very dear to me that I'm looking to put together in the future called Pacific Standard. Okay. Um, and out here, uh, there's a city. Venice, Venice Beach, California, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I saw a very, very good time, uh, very, a very substantial uh, in terms of the life experience uh, time in that city, uh, and so I like to shoot a lot of things in that city, um, the way Woody would shoot New York, Manhattan. Yeah. Um, so I, I would, I would. I would really love the opportunity to cast my eye on Manhattan um, and, and see where where I would find that city. You know, because you look at films, Martin Scorsese did, you look at Woody's films, um, they're both in New York, but they're very, they're vastly different New Yorks. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, would, I, would, I would love the opportunity to find out what my New York would look like mm-hmm. on film. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, would, be, that would be very interesting. That, oh. would be, that would be a fun thing. Oh, would you want to shoot a film in Philadelphia? You know what? I would, actually. Yeah? I haven't been, I haven't been to Philly in even, in even longer and haven't been born there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might even enjoy the, the idea of shooting a film in Philadelphia even more than a film in New York.
I know. I've always wanted to try a Philly cheesesteak from actual Philadelphia, you know? Yeah, you know what? You have to because it's not a cheesesteak if you're not there. Uh, it's a steak sandwich. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of very good steak sandwiches. Uh, but um, they're not Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. Yeah. Sorry, that's, that's my gardener. <laughs> Your gardener, excuses me. I <laughs> uh, gotcha. Um, if you could tell um a young Marcus, if the young Marcus could talk to the older Marcus, what would he tell him? Vegetables, <laughs> broccoli, and string beans, and corn. Yeah, eat more vegetables. Yeah, yeah, eat more vegetables. Lay off the donuts, you lazy bastard. <laughs> 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 Act like a healthy individual. <laughs> I told him that too. <laughs> Which one do you find more difficult, being a writer or a director? I mean, there's just so much. 
much knowledge I still don't have. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think it's more about, for me right now, it's more about just sort of creating what I want to see on screen as a writer first. And then as a director, sort of picking the torch up and continuing. You know, I, I feel like as a writer, you're not done. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you get through a script, and it's like, okay, part one's finished. Now part two <laughs> is actually putting together the film, and, you know, as a director. You know, it's like with a novel, you write it, you're done with it. You know, there's no end game uh, after the book. Um, mm. script, the script is just a blueprint. Now you have to put pictures to it. Mm. So... I guess I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, it pretty much does. Uh, yeah. it pretty much does. Um, do you? Yeah. Um, um, are you looking forward to acting again? Well, I I, I act in all the projects that I do. Hmm. Uh, my a- acting has always been like the first. Your first love. The first love. Yeah. Yeah. Always. You know, that's like you know the first girlfriend. So yeah. um, I put these projects together. I started all this stuff so that I could create a situation where I could do what I love to do, which is act. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I still, I still look all right. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not too giddy on screen yet. So, you know, so, well, well, I can keep it together. I think, uh, I think, I think it'll be okay if I'm in these films that I, that I, that I make. I can't wait. I can't wait to see. Um, this is now in 2016. Um, definitely keep me updated with that. I definitely want to know what happens, and you know, just keep in touch with me and let me know the release date for that. Um, is there any social media you want to plug out there? No, not right now. We, um, like I said, we have a, a wonderful cast of people: uh, Amir Talai, Nadia Bjorn, Alicia Menchu, mm-hmm. Louis Moncada, Katie Hall, Paul Whitney. Um, Can't wait for that, Marcus. Thank you very much, man. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one. Yo, we just made small phones through the internet so we could stimulate brains with intellect. We explode on the scene with the current street news. And let niggas have it when we drop reviews. Atomic is the podcast. Hard work, no play. We bomb that ass. Ephraim, that's my nigga, man. Last name, Guzman. Sanity, the cannon, yo, bring them on, son. It's I-I-S-M-M-D. Complete figure fools like Ric Flair, G. Live from Times Square.
swear through the airways free We won't think twice about an interview E We save many lives with the job we do Like Superman bitch we unstoppable Don't try to imitate it's impossible Cause you will never overcome that obstacle